0: There is a classic Islamic legal maxim that Muslim jurists call al-hukum yadur al-lila, or the ruling evolves with its effective cause. In other words, law is a living instrument that must evolve and react to changes in its application or interpretations that could prevent it from achieving its objectives. This principle came to my mind as I reviewed the ICRC's updated commentary on the Third Geneva Convention, or GC3, part of a project to maintain the protection that GC3 provides to prisoners of war in international armed conflicts in light of the current realities of armed conflict and detention. In juxtaposing and examining these two bodies of law, Islamic law and international humanitarian law, there are two key issues relevant to the protection of POWs that clearly stand out. Humane treatment, where the two bodies align, and the killing of POWs, where interpretations risk diverging. Humane Treatment The core principle underlying GC3 is the requirement of humane treatment of POWs at all times, as is reflected in Article 13 and many others of the Convention's provisions. Beyond the specific examples provided in Article 13, such as causing death, endangering health, intimidation, and insults, any other form of inhuman or degrading treatment is a violation of this core principle. Under Islamic law, most of the rules relevant to the treatment of prisoners of war are based on the earliest precedents, going back as far as March 624 current era, when Muslim troops captured 70 enemy combatants during the Battle of Badr, In the absence of legislation on the legal status of POWs or designated places of detention, this relatively large number of POWs posed a serious challenge. But instead of opting for an easier but potentially less humane option, such as tying up the prisoners outside, they were divided up into groups and housed in the mosque and with the companions of Prophet Muhammad, who were instructed by the Prophet to, quote, observe good treatment towards the prisoners. With this instruction, the Quran and the earliest Islamic historical literature documented numerous examples of humane treatment that POWs received at the hands of the companions of Prophet Muhammad. For example, with regard to food, some of the prisoners reported that they were given the best food available in the circumstances, and were even prioritized over the captives themselves in order to comply with the instructions. This altruistic treatment is described in the Quran as follows, quote, And they feed the needy, the orphans, and the captives from their food, despite their love for it, which could also be interpreted as because of their love for God. Centuries later, when Salah al-Din al-Ayubi, known in the West as Saladin, was unable to feed the large number of prisoners who had fallen under his control upon reclaiming the Al-Aqsa Mosque, he felt he had no choice but to release them. Killing prisoners of war Despite the clear importance of humane treatment under Islamic law, opinions diverge as to whether it is permissible to kill POWs. In their search for the answer to this question, Classical Muslim jurists referred to one of two verses of the Qur'an and the Sunnah of Prophet Muhammad. The first-ever group of Muslim jurists, including Ibn Abbas, Abd Allah ibn Umar, Al-Hassan al-Basri, and Sayyid ibn Jubayr, based their position on the Qur'anic text and argued that under Islamic law, POWs must be released unilaterally or in exchange for captured Muslim soldiers a position that does not contradict GC3. However, the majority of classical Muslim jurists, including the Shafi'is, the Malikis, the Hanbalis, as well as the Al-Awazi and Sufyan Al-Tawari, found that the state must choose, based on its best interests, among any of the following options, executing some or all POWs, enslaving them, setting them free, or exchanging them for Muslim prisoners. Apart from the release of POWs, these options, which reflect 7th and 8th century norms, clearly violate the contemporary standards of international humanitarian law set forth in GC3. Nonetheless, these options have been cited recently by certain arms carriers to justify, for example, the killing of captured persons under their control. It is important to note that the permissibility of execution under Islamic law, as advocated by some jurists, is based on the execution of just three POWs during the lifetime of the Prophet, al-Nadir ibn al-Harit and Ukwa ibn Mu'ayt at the Battle of Badr in March 624 CE, and Abu Azza al-Jumahi at the Battle of Uhud in March 625 CE. Regardless of the authenticity of these accounts, and whether these prisoners were killed during hostilities or after their capture, it is clear that these three individuals were singled out from among the other prisoners for crimes they had committed against Muslims in Mecca before fleeing to Medina, and not simply because they were prisoners of war. Therefore, we can conclude on this issue that today Islamic law should be interpreted as outlawing the killing of POWs in line with the requirement of humane treatment clearly established under Islamic law. GC3 is the most comprehensive legal framework of our modern international legal system when it comes to the protection of POWs, but its study alone may not provide answers to all the contemporary challenges faced in detention today. The commonalities and contradictions between the provisions of GC3 and other legal frameworks and traditions influencing the behavior of arms carriers must not be ignored. GC3, just like any treaty Muslims lawfully enter into, is a binding legal framework, not only from the perspective of international law, but also from the perspective of Islamic law. Respecting treaties is an obligation for all Muslims, as dictated in the Quran and as reflected in the Sunnah, exemplary conduct of Prophet Muhammad. Any discrepancies between GC3 and the rules developed by classical Muslim jurists does not affect the binding nature or effect of the norms of the former. GC3 is universally ratified, meaning that all states in the world, including all Muslim-majority states, have agreed to be bound by its rules and therefore Muslims are obligated to respect its provisions according to Islamic law. This should not be seen as controversial to even the most conservative Islamic scholar, as nothing in GC3 contradicts the fundamental principles of Islamic law.